hey folks, welcome. Well, here we are, the Not Necessarily Mad podcast, with me, Eric Collinsworth, and G.B. Meyer. So thanks for joining us. We want to thank Flat 5 again for the use of their version of the Christian Scott tune, West of the West. You can hear more of Flat 5 at their website, flat5va.com, including a live recording of their Kind of Blue tribute concert. On this episode, GB and I discuss the 50th anniversary of the breakup of the Beatles, some thoughts on their influence, and a few what-ifs. So let's get right to it. Hey, GB. Hey, Eric. How's it going? You know, not not terribly bad, man. You know, the the news is the news, and I try to avoid it with the. You know, you can't even say avoid it like the plague anymore because obviously people because are not avoiding the plague. Um, but the uh, news is the plague. <laughs> yeah, pretty much in some people's eyes. Yeah. Yeah. So, but uh, you know, other other than the than than that, I'm doing I'm doing better than I thought I would be given the circumstances. Right on. Yeah, I'm doing okay too. I'm getting out of uh, I'm getting out of town into the woods uh, in a couple of days, just for a couple of days. It should be right nice. A little cabin action. Yeah, right on. Yeah, it's a good nice. time of year for it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Indeed, indeed. So, so what you got on your mind tonight? Well, it's been an interesting week in that we just hit what I consider to be a fascinating milestone, which is it's been fifty years since the Beatles officially broke up, which today, uh, you know, might not still have quite the same impact, but for those of us who recalled it or were inside of the uh, immediate uh, decade, two decades, whatever, after that, uh, it's a pretty remarkable thing. I think it's still, I think it's still notable. Well, I, I, th- I think it still resonates too because... Um, the mythologies that that has grown up around the Beatles at this point, and you know, you know, we we even use this colloquialism in in bands when um, uh, a female joins a group and hooks up with one of the guys in the band. Right. We, we all look around and go, "Oh, we've been yokoed," <laughs> and you know, and good, good, bad, or indifferent. You know, I'm not saying you know they're they're, they're contradicting stories about how all that happened but you know it, it is it, it is part of the mythos now that is is the beatles and you know i think i think we we're still seeing their effect even 50 years on i'm sure that's true and yeah even if it's not fair uh to yoko ono i can't say if it is or not but even if it's not <laughs> right it is a phenomena people say that you know or if you're going to yoko something <sighs> it means you're going to do it in Right, um, but yeah. So even and yeah, even beyond uh, that, I think the idea of um, you know breaking up or are we going to break up like the Beatles? Um, meaning, are we going to take something that uh, has had such a fantastic uh, turn of fortune and excitement and just let it fall apart? Uh, is in itself it's just its own it's its own mythology like you say it's its own mythic reference i i think it is and and you know you hear the stories you know here here we are in what month four of five six whatever it is of of the of the new normal and um spending a lot of time with those uh in our family and friends you know such uh significant others whatever you want to call it 
and uh there have been i've heard people say i'm gonna shoot my kids i'm gonna kill my <laughs> husband you know whatever and you got to realize that the beatles for about eight years were were like that they couldn't mm-hmm. go anywhere they couldn't go out in public if they were when they were still touring they were having to like run from the car to the hotel hotel back to the car car to the stage stage to the car back to the hotel and all they had was themselves the the four of them five with their manager and you, you gotta wonder man the 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 intestinal fortitude to keep something like that up as long as they did yeah and you know they had the um i believe the stress of a particular band style that is that they were friends right not all bands have that so if you look at a band like the rolling stones everyone has their job and there's a famous story about the time that Mick Jagger called up Charlie Watts' room, drunk as hell, and said, I want my drummer now. And Charlie Watts came downstairs, dressed in his tie, at three in the morning, and punched Mick in the face and said, don't ever call me your drummer again. Right. <laughs> um, and then there are other bands, like uh, I think R.E.M. comes to mind, in that they were absolutely democratic and unanimous they had uh, you know a friendship but they didn't do anything unless everyone 100 percent agreed and if they didn't no stress it was just off the table right and and that's that's a you know with the band dynamic sometimes that's hard because especially if you have more than one person pushing for you know whatever that thing is and there's one holdout and you you gotta go yeah okay it's not unanimous we can't move forward on it and it it, do, it will cause some strife right and the beatles did not have that principle of unanimity they really operated more like uh, you know a group of brothers i think that was part of their appeal and the fascination that they cast was that brotherly affection they had for each other but you know bro- brothers and sisters siblings will think on each other to each other oh yeah you know there's drama inside of a sibling story right 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 you know and and you know thinking back to to you know we we've we've talked in the past in past episodes about you know like with will rogers and then patsy klein again you know these were the first people to do something or they were uh you know with with patsy that was like here's a really strong feminist proto-feminist i guess you would call it before the feminist movement was even really underway that was pushing for women's rights whether she knew she was or not she was just you know pushing for her rights Mm. and and i think you see the same thing with the beatles there had never i mean elvis comes to mind but even elvis didn't have what these guys had as a group and and just how they changed not only you know rock and roll has always been had had a tie to fashion sense and and they 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 did that in spades you know as the beatles go everybody else went i think i think you raise a really awesome point there which is we've talked you hit we have talked about it there are people who set a new standard and created a new definition where no template existed will rogers is a great example of that elvis is a great example of that patsy cline the beatles did that as a team not as an individual right which is ultimately harder i think i think you're right and i don't think they had uh the well you know they went to hamburg and going to hamburg certainly gave them a fair amount of hard-working worldliness and i think that that brought them together but it still didn't necessarily instruct them for what was ahead with 
what would become the 60s. Well, and it, it's sort of like a chicken and the egg kind of question, I think. It, what was Were the 60s what they were because of the Beatles? Were the Beatles what they were because of the 60s? So the 60s and the Beatles are obviously so closely um, intersected. If you look at their, particularly like the second half of their of their run, if you take 1960 to 1970, if you even look just between 1966 and 70. I, I was thinking even before that with, uh-huh. with help in like 65, you, you get that first turn of this isn't just a string of singles slapped together in an album format to sell. This is the art form of the album. Absolutely. And if it was not clear on help, it was absolutely clear by the time they did Rubber Soul. In, <laughs> in spades. In spades, man. That just blew... It, the first time I heard it, it blew me away. I mean, I was just like... It, the amount of good, just good, good stuff on one album. Rubber, rubber Soul is... Uh, Rubber Soul is definitely in my uh, in my three Beatles records where obviously there's no accounting for taste. It's just a fact of life. But <laughs> right. But as the Beatles uh, releases go, I think Rubber Soul is certainly, it's a medalist for me if I'm going to pick three that uh, if I could only select a, a few of their records, only pick three, that would be one of the three that I would, I would hold right, on so, to. So, so now I'm curious, what are the other two? Um... So they might surprise you, um, but um, one of them, of course, is going to be Abbey Road. Uh Um, Not everyone is a sucker for the second half compilation where they tie a lot of things together. Um, I still think it's a stroke of, of genius, and I think it's Paul McCartney coming up with an idea of what to do with these incomplete parts. and Just chunks of songs. Yeah, and to put something together. Um, and I know that John Lennon wasn't fond of it, um, and I know that he really preferred a straight-up rock and roll format and it being song-driven, but that would be one of them. The other one um, would actually be uh, Let It Be, although okay. I want I want to caveat that it would be Let It Be um, without the Phil Spector mixing. I don't know if you've ever heard Let It Be <laughs> Naked. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Yeah, but yeah. yeah. Before I heard that one, it was that would that was not it. it that actually uh, that pushed out uh, Revolver. Okay, so, I, I, okay. How about you? Uh, Rubber Soul. Okay. Um, Sergeant Pepper. Mm-hmm. Just because I think that that may be the perfect album. Mm-hmm song song first song to last song just the way that it was crafted and and i'm gonna admit most of it goes to the fifth beetle which is george martin yeah and and that that set the standard so high for everyone after that that everybody was chasing that for a decade you know that that the concept album like that and then, um, so yeah, Rubber Soul, Sergeant Pepper, and it, it's a toss-up for me between Abbey Road and Let It Be. And I think Let It Be more for the nostalgic kind of, let's do this one more time, we'll get through it, it'll be great, 
and then we'll go on about our business type thing. Sure. And, you know, whether whether it's the, the best of the albums, I don't know, but it, it's the one that I think got them back to that that pure energy that they had early on getting together crafting songs real life in person and becoming a, a part of a their band yeah a band again the organic band process that they had had yeah. for years exactly yeah exactly and 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 i think you know we could nitpick we could we could probably do a deep dive on on the beatles albums between the two of us for three or four episodes sure at point, oh yeah at this point i don't i don't know any, that anybody else would want to listen to it besides us but um i i think they're all good i mean once, once you get past like I, I was looking at the list of of stuff and it's like please please me with the beatles introducing the beatles meet the beatles beatles second album beatles long tong sally you know these are all those you know compilation you know just slightly better than a ktel compilation of <laughs> of their singles and then oh we need one more song for the album let's go in and cut this type thing and and i'm not knocking it because that's that's the way business was done up until that point but i think you know to their importance of song their the beatles importance as songwriters notwithstanding their idea of the concept album i i think is one of their more underrated um things given to mankind <laughs> i agree with that and i even think that to uh, i think to your point even before it was something conceptual there was a sense of style there was a sense of influence there was a sense a sense of like just sort of uh, a musical and artistic cohesion to what they were doing really even beginning with help right and um and you take a look at an album like help they gave ringo buck owen's song about act naturally somehow it fits it's not their song right but it but fits it, with it the fits. record and the yeah, concept yeah, exactly it does and you know i think you know we we lose the the understanding of their importance of of the fashion that you know they help bring about without the beatles 65 66 67 you don't have the summer of love and right and and, and again it's a chicken and the egg kind of situation was it the beatles influencing the fashion or the fashion influencing the beatles which turned around and influences the masses and you know it i think you're right there the the 60s as a as a um a time period and the beatles are so so intertwined that i don't think you can separate or even answer that question which came first or if it was just this organic thing of hey that's kind of cool and now we do it everybody does it you know they were certainly the influencer like uh, with with their with just the scope of their audience and their appeal they're I don't think that there would be, for instance, the the interest in India and the Indian flavor in so many things in the in the late '60s, Summer of Love, and so forth. If the Beatles had not gone to India, true, as an example, that's, um, and I think them breaking up officially in 1970 coincided with an understanding that that period of time was was truly over, and what was going to be the what was going to be the flavor of the decade to come. Wow, you know, and again, it's it's sort of like you can, they're they're so intertwined with that time period that it, it it's almost fitting that 1970 they decided just to say mm, I'm done. Yeah, 
um, which sets the stage for within a year you have Neil Young calling um, his record after the gold rush Yep. you know look at Mother Nature on the run in the 1970s and I think that the story of the Beatles breaking up was a big part of the sense of a zeitgeist being finished so I've got like family members and and such that were a little older than I was that um, that lived through the Beatles and you know the, that's what they were listening to and then and then talking to our parents about things as you know we're saying the Beatles broke up and and there was a lot of comparisons to what the Beatles did even though none of them passed away um, but the day the music died with Richie Valens and the Big Bopper and and the plane crash and you know you it, it's one of those events that just changes the music scene irrevocably you know and I think you know, the, the good thing was that the Beatles even though they were broken up they still continued to write really good stuff in their later careers they sure did and what's both exciting and tragic about that 1970 end is it was definitely um, a, a new creative turn for the four of them Right, but the tragedy is they never set foot the four of them in a in a room together ever again. And and that's the I think that's the saddest part. I mean, because they they truly were a family. Yeah, and if you look what happened immediately afterward, George Harrison, who really had bristled at the limited opportunity to be the songwriting presence that he saw himself emerging into stepping out and really uh, making quite the splash um, as a solo artist right out of the gate. Um, right. All Things Must Pass and Dark Horse, I mean, he just um, became a phenomena. And it took Paul McCartney maybe a little while to find his more popular footing with the 70s style of, of wings. wings. Right. And, um, and I tell you what, he really blossomed, as a, I think, as a pop artist. I mean, he's always been writing good pop songs. There's no doubt about it. But the the '80s, he had that that sweet spot of of nostalgia, older statesman type idea. Even though it got he was what in his 40s at that point, but still being able to kick out songs and like doing the stuff with Michael Jackson and and really you know just captivating another audience past the the folks that were following him when he was a Beatle. I think that's cool you brought that up because that is, you, you mentioned the Michael Jackson collaboration and Say, 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 mm -hmm. and The Girl Is Mine. Both really live on kind of in my sense of nostalgia as Paul McCartney participating in a musical conversation that was more contemporary to my adolescence. And I mean, I, and I found that endearing. I mean, I, I have a particular enjoyment of his music because of that. Right. Although I will say that some of his contributions inside of the Beatles were not my favorite because of his, speaking of pop music, he really loved the, he loved the catchiness of music hall. And, uh, yeah. Tim Pan Alley style yeah. stuff. And, and, that's you know that's just his that's what he grew up with that's what his parents listened to and you know it, it, he's affected like everybody else by not their dad's band anymore right right i think that um 
you know, speaking of sad turns, John Lennon releasing Double Fantasy, particularly his tracks, not Yoko's, but yeah. Double Fantasy, which came out in 1980, not long before he was murdered. You're right, exactly. And um, that was one of the first albums I got with my new record player one Christmas. Wow. Christmas in 1980. Mm-hmm. I got Queen the Game and uh, Double Fantasy. That's oh, a great Christmas. It was a good Christmas. And a George yeah. Carlin. I don't know how that slipped in, but my mom bought me a George Carlin album. Wow. Hats off to your mom. And it was the one with seven words you can never say on TV. <laughs> I don't think she realized that was on there. But uh, <laughs> but kudos to mom for setting up my humor for the rest of my life. Thank you. Oh, uh, well, now, now we know where it started. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, I... And I think each each one of the Beatles, and and I'm and I, I don't want to short thrift uh, Ringo, but Ringo wasn't a writer. He he said, you know, I'm not a writer. I'm I'm a drummer. They got really really lucky. Peace and love, peace and love. And you know, so I look at the at the three writers, and yeah, you know, and you're right. Each one of them had success, and I and I wonder what kind of success John would have had had he lived and into the 80s where McCartney saw his big successes and honestly you know the um the, the MTV situation with George Harrison and his his album that came oh what was the name of that album um oh shoot 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 um are you saying cloud nine cloud nine uh-huh yeah yeah and uh, you, you, it takes a whole lot of spending money, you know, and just <laughs> the the animatronics in the in the in the scene, and it's just you you can't get that image out of your head. But it was it was for that you know that eighty seven eighty eight time frame, it was ubiquitous. You heard you you heard George Harrison all the time, and then with the Traveling Wilburys, which I think may be one of the best super groups ever positively one of the most underrated records with people who I talk to. I ask people, don't you love that record? And they're like, the what? Oh, yeah, I think I remember that one song. And, you know, I try to hide my disappointment or even disgust. (laughs) Sorry. We we can no longer be friends. I'm like... Uh, it's yeah it's anyway so to to your point about the 80s and creative flow and what opportunities might have come up if if john lennon had lived um i've really wondered if the summer of 85 on the you know on top of what happened with uh with band-aid and turning into live aid right um the idea of social activism really being led in certain respects by both John Lennon and George Harrison. Right. And then with Paul McCartney having a a prominent role in Band-Aid, he's all over that record and he was a big part of helping it get done by the time Bob Geldof got everyone together. Right. Uh, I mean, possibly the Live Aid concert that summer, you know, across two coasts, maybe there would have been a reunion that would have raised a lot of money. It would have. And, and, and again, it's it's one of those sayings. It's like, what would Patsy Klein have done had she lived or, you know, any of the other, you know, what would Elvis have been like as, you know, an octogenarian Las Vegas act, <laughs> you know, or how, how influence, how much of an influence would he have been had he lived, you know? that kind of thing it, you know points to ponder 
for sure. Well, there's there's an alternate Netflix series. Had they lived, you could write some things that are lovely and some things that are horrible. But um, you know, you know, I would like to think that inside of a, a Beatles episode of that, um, you know, the four of them uniting magnificently and having an even better set than Queen. And it would have been. That's the thing. Although that performance is probably one of my all-time favorites of, of a live, live, live capture performance. It's uh, it's a tour de force. It's a thing unto itself. Yeah, yeah. And that's a topic for a whole that different is, episode, right there. Yeah, it is. We'll have to talk about that some more sometime. I think that. Um, I, I think that speaking though of their of their solo work after I, I know I've mentioned it before, but there's um, there's a playlist available of assorted songs from uh, from the different the, from the different members of the Fab Four, but they're arranged so that it's like you're listening to a compilation, almost like the White Album. I think sometimes people call it the Black Album, right? As a playlist, it's actually it's surprisingly um comforting when you get used to it i mean it first takes a minute to get used to this extremely long flow of you know some 60 or 70 songs right um but you know it, it can make for good playing in the background when you're just killing an afternoon indeed you know they took footage of the concert that they decided to put on in the, i think january of 1970 um and i can't believe that the the local police ended up shutting them down yeah right yeah, I know. Um, but the the movie that was made from that, uh, the way it was, I, the way I'm told, they they shot tons and tons of hours of footage. There's a lot of audio, and the movie that was put together was intended to show with some dramatic effect that how this was falling apart. And I think that at the time, people really wanted to see that. They wanted to see the narrative of how this thing was falling apart because they couldn't believe that this was happening. Well, I, and I think that's human nature, too, to an extent. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that's true. But from that footage, there is a, a new movie... Uh, that's coming out. I know I'm looking forward to it. It's going to come out, I think, in 2021. And it involves the talents of Peter Jackson, Mm. who, of course, did The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, but also, um, more recently, and really notably, took all of that footage from the First World War. Right. Colorized it, set Uh the time correctly so that it looks smoother. Uh huh. Digitally mastered yes. it, gave it sound effect. Oh, uh, they so should good. not grow old. He even um, he even used a zoom effect so he could scan right and left as if he was shooting it, um, even though it was, if you will, like single shot still frame. Right. Um, so he did fantastic things with it, really bringing that to life. And apparently, uh, there's all kinds of footage of of good moments and of of happy connection and uh, a lot more texture than the breakup story. Well, I, again, you know, the the news that we digest today is not really that different from the news we digested back then. In that, if it bleeds, it leads. Right. And nobody wanted to hear about the happy-go-lucky guys and their last hoorah, as it were, their swan song, whatever you want to call it. They wanted the details. They wanted the dirt. They wanted the negativity. And I'm glad that somebody's taking a fresh look at it and, and shining it in a more positive light. I know I am. And it, into what you just said, I could use a little... Uh 
a little bit of good news focus right now. Indeed. Indeed. And as we wrap up this episode, we want to thank those that have chosen to listen. Let your friends know that they can find the Not Necessarily Mad podcast in most places that you find your favorite podcast, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Pandora, and many others, as well as our home at madfamworld.com. You can find a complete list of our podcast outlets, links to things we discuss, photos and extra podcast content on our Facebook page. Search for the Not Necessarily Mad podcast there. Stop by and give us a like. Stay safe.